Good morning, Redeemer. Good to see you. My name is Donovan. I have the pleasure of preaching today. I got a, a, a redirect on my passage and my message yesterday. So we'll see. Hoping that was the Lord, not the bacon. <clears throat> Let me pray. God, I do ask for your help. Uh, for me, for us today, that you would have compassion, that you would remind us, those of us who have been redeemed, God, of our time in Egypt, and it would cause us to rejoice for our time with you and compel us to mission with love and zeal. Amen. So we're in this series called Together, where we are looking at what are we doing and why. And last week we talked about serving members, this idea of the church loving one another, right? As Paul says, do good to all, but especially to the household of faith. And we really focused on that last week. What does it mean to do good to the household of faith, to spoil one another, right? Do good to all, yes, but especially to one another, serve members. And we really highlighted that. And today I'm going to that other part, do good to all, that we are put here on mission, to love the world, <laughs> right? Even, even yes, or last week when we talked about serving one another and what we would need, which was God's strength just to do that, to love our own family. And now he goes, now love the world, serve all, serve guests, serve visitors, serve the city, serve the world. Serve unbelievers, serve your enemies, love them, move toward them with love and compassion. And again, today I'm really focusing less on really our rhythms, but a posture, a heart posture, right? Of, and this is the word that, that came to me, it was, it was compassion. So I started thinking about myself and our church, and it was like, do we have compassion for the lost? Do we have compassion for the world? We have compassion for a nation that is growing more and more openly hostile toward Christianity. I'm not going to read you the stats. You know them. You see it on the news. Churches are in decline. And there's not just a sense of, a sense of, sense of apathy and removal from the church, but actual hostility. That the church is growing to be identified as toxic, bigoted, and an enemy of the people. And how do we react to that? What is your default response to that? Is it fear? I was talking with someone the other day, and the conversation came to, why did we have kids? Not because of them, but because of the world. Like, what, did, what are we bringing them to? A wise young man here one time told me, I know why people have kids. I said, why is that? He said, because girls are pretty and boys want them. I was like, all right, that's pretty simple, right? <laughs> it's basic. But you actually think about that, why? And this came to me this morning. Having children is shouting into the darkness, there is hope. Not to have fear. Or is your default emotion... Anger, right, at the libs or whoever is out there threatening our rights. Is it anger? 
And some of us might think, well, there's a place for anger, right? Righteous anger. Like, I haven't found it yet. We'll give that to the Lord. What is our heart to be? I believe it is to be compassion. Compassion. I looked up the word. What does that mean? You got to look up the etymology, right? Do word study. It comes from Latin, and it means to suffer with. Not just to feel for, but to suffer with. Because when we look out on the world, what do we see? Suffering. Let's talk about sin. Sin is, in a sense, rebellion. God talks about Israel that way. It says this in Exodus 32, The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. That's rebellion. Like, I just won't be told. I won't listen. I won't be changed, right? I'm set in one direction. It's rebellion. And in one sense, sin is rebellion, hostility. But I don't think it's the deepest sense of what sin is. Why do you rebel? Because you're blind, you're enslaved. Slavery and blindness, I think, is the deepest definition of sin. Yeah, we rebel. Why? Because we don't see. Right? We're held captive. This is Paul describing what it looks like for someone to come to Jesus. They may come to their senses, escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. In 2 Corinthians, he describes it this way. Captivity. This is unbelievers. The God of this world, this is Satan, has blinded their minds to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. That's why they're stiff-necked, because they don't see. They're captive. It's slavery. It's slavery. And yes, there's guilt and responsibility and all that, and we can talk about that. But I don't want to talk about that today. I want to talk about compassion for the lost. What was Jesus' dying emotion? can't pinpoint it exactly, but I know what one of them was as he was being murdered and attacked and the world was openly hostile against him and his message. What, was, what were his words? They don't know what they're doing. It's compassion. Forgive them. Why? They're blind. They're lost. They're captive. They're captive. They're suffering. They're suffering, captivity, deception, being lost. They're slaves to sin, following the prince of the power of the air. Our default posture and emotion toward the world has to be compassion. So I came to this text... And I really want to focus just on the last three verses. So you've got the story of Exodus. Israel is in slavery in Egypt, so you see the parallel here, right? This whole idea of Israel being in slavery in Egypt is a shadow. The whole Old Testament is a shadow of the good things to come. Israel being in slavery in Egypt is a shadow of the slavery of sin. Pharaoh is Satan. Moses is Christ. The Passover is the Passover. Right? And God is about to move. Right? He's raised up Moses here. You see Moses being raised up and sent out to Midian. 
where he's going to be prepared. He's out there for several years. And the Jews have been in Egypt for 400 years, and much of that in slavery. Listen to this, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. So people that are enslaved groan. They cry out and sometimes do act in desperation, violence, foolishness, whatever. They're groaning for help. Their cry from rescue, for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and this next phrase just floored me yesterday. And God knew. Knew what? I've read this book several times. That just jumped out at me. Read that again. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Knew what he had to do, knew what was happening. It just says knew. It's almost like when he says, I am. You are what? That. I am amnes. What do you know? This word is the same word that's used to describe Adam knowing Eve. Oh. You know what that, that means? That means oneness. That's what that means. That two became one. It means he entered into their experience. It's not just I know. But it's, I know, and here's, here's the best way I have to describe it. What are you suffering from? What pains you? What do you want set free from? What are your weaknesses? Who's harassing you? What are your fears? Here's what I say. God knows. He says to you, I know. I know. And maybe that's not enough because you want action, okay? And I want you to know that God did take action, and he did deliver Israel, and there is an exodus, and he did take them to the promised land. Was it that week? No. Now, it might be for you, your deliverance from whatever your burden is today. It may be after service, during prayer. It may be tonight in a dream. It may be years that you have to bury this, carry this burden, but I want you to know God knows God knew. I know, he says. I know. It's compassion, suffering with. Our pain is God's pain. Our pain is God's pain. You know, there's all this talk in politics now about how we have to have, you know, leaders with empathy. And, uh, you know, I hear that mocked. And, you know, Biden's the most empathetic president ever. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But he doesn't hold a candle to God. Like God knows. He suffers with. And then we see at the cross is the manifestation of that where he comes and enters our suffering physically, takes on our sin, takes on our pain and our grief and sets us free. But that's not an anomaly. That's not the only time God felt our pain. The rest of the time he's aloof and distant. When he became a different God? That's just the showing in time and space who God is and what is it to God who knows. 
He knows. Now we have been delivered, right, out of that. Israel was delivered out of Egypt. We as Christians have been delivered out of that bondage, right, that we were born blind, but God set us free, and he has adopted us, and he's brought us to the cross, and we believe and cling to him. We were slaves, and we're no longer slaves. But we were, and that informs our living. So here's my exhortation to us today. Live as former slaves. Not just in the sense that you're free. Yes, no longer slaves. But former slaves, what does that mean? That means you know. You know. Like the people want, the world wants to know that we know. Listen to this, Leviticus 19. This is the law given to Israel. Pulled out of Egypt, headed to the promised land, and God's telling them, here's how I want you to live. And he says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, so in other words, you're going to be there as a nation, and there will be other people from other nations and tongues that will come and sojourn among you. They will be among you. Immigrants. When that happens, do him no wrong, but treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. Welcome him. Treat him as you shall love him as yourself. Why? For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You were formerly captive. Do you know that? Like, let your past experience inform your present mission. Encounter the world. And yes, they're going to be hostile. And yes, there's going to be opposition. And there's going to be apathy. But you were once there. So live as though you know. You know captivity. You know slavery. You know brokenness. You know blindness and foolishness and running after every idol. You know not having a purpose. You know not, you know, not knowing who you are. Talk about deep, deep wounds. This is what we're up against. Do you know? The world wants to know that we know that just as God looks at Israel and has compassion shares the suffering, so do we when we look out on the world. Compassion. So what we're going to do today is a little different. I'm pretty much done preaching. It's your turn. We're going to have testimonies. And here's the question. Tell me about your slave days. Remember, when you were a sojourner in the land of Egypt. Tell me about that. And then tell me how God has set you free. That's it. So we'll take some time and linger. And just There'll be a microphone up here. And just come up and proclaim His excellencies. Specifically, God is great. How? God has loved me. How? Proclaim. Let's remind one another. And I'll start. There's a lot that God has redeemed me from. I, this is what came to mind this week. I once was not a people. He says that in the book of Peter. You once were not a people, but now you are a people. And here's what I, what I take. I was alone. Surrounded with a lot of people. 
but I didn't have a people. And that led to all kinds of stuff. I'll spare you the details you've heard and I can tell you more later, but the essence, surrounded by people and alone in exile. No place, no purpose. And then God brought me to you, his family, to his son. And I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know why I'm here. I am no longer alone. I'm overwhelmed now. <laughs> so much, so much purpose, so much vision, so many people. <laughs> right? It's a lot, and it's great, and I'm thankful for that. So I'm going to pray. Just take some time. Ask the Spirit to reveal to you. And be courageous. If you get that inkling, don't shut it down. Run. Run to tell of God's goodness. Okay? But God, thank you. <laughs> Pray that your Spirit would be stirring here and that it would bear much fruit, that we would be a people of compassionate, mission. Amen.